Welcome to episode 54 of the Grassroots Guy podcast with me, your host, Harry Purdy. Today, something a little bit different. Another one of the episodes I get very excited about, actually. Another one of the Alliance members who I have on the podcast every now and again, Mr. Rob McGeary. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me, my man. You're very welcome, mate. Um, I saw your content, like before the last event in Manchester that we attended. And I was like, ah, oh, this geezer sounds sounds and looks really interesting. So I made my introductions, didn't I, at the thing and was like, you're coming on my podcast. So uh, here you are. Are you looking forward to it? Yes, my man. Yes, definitely. You uh, you was always on my radar because of mutual appearances as well. You had young Tyler Saunders on, yeah, who is in my accountability group, which I'm sure is something we will cover later in this episode as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say you had Craig as well, didn't you? No, so um, Tyler's booked in. He had an event with um, one of his like brands yesterday. Yeah, yeah. We were supposed to record yesterday his episode, okay. but he is he is scheduled. But I've had Ricky, Ricky Ferrari. Um, Ricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, who obviously have had the main man Paul on as well. Amazing. So we've uh, we've yeah we've we've definitely spoke about some shit on this podcast. And like I said, normally. I said to you before the podcast, like normally my um, episodes revolve a lot around sport and, but I have ventured into like the whole mindset thing mm. as, uh, as you probably are aware with your changes yourself with Paul Mort's program and stuff. But let's talk about you first, Rob, where are you originally from and uh, talk to us about your early stages of your life. So I was born London, moved out into Essex, and I've always been back and forward between London and Essex, which is why the accent is really strong. I'm toning it down at the moment, but it's going to come out stronger as I get more and more relaxed. Um, and yeah, just a pretty simple life up until around about the age of 35-ish, and multiple, you know, standard factory warehouse jobs, uh, played in a few bands at the weekends, uh, then the office jobs, trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do in my life. It was only around about 12 years ago um, that I was going to the gym because I'd always trained for the sports that I was involved with from a younger age. Uh, that a mate of mine was like, had this brochure for a, a 1600 quid PT course. And I was like, don't even know what that is, mate. What the hell's a, what the hell's a PT? What's a personal trainer do? Is that, is that the geezer that shows you how to log into the gym so you can go in and work out? And for some reason, I jumped on it with him can't remember the exact reason why. And within like two days, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. This is it. This is what I want to do. Help people get confidence in the gym, get fit and healthy. Um, slowly through my experience over the last 12 years, I've shifted into working more with fellas. Um, again, that will become clear the deeper we go on this podcast as well. And um, yeah, then it all kind of, in the last couple of years, well, just before COVID hit, Everything changed in my life. Um, my little, my dog, who was my absolute world, my pride and joy, was brutally taken from us in a car accident. I oh, say no, accident. Man. I say accident. I can't call it an accident when the geezer clearly weren't watching what he was doing and potentially drunk as well. It's not an accident. Uh, soon after that, um, just through neither of us being able to cope, marriage broke down. That's since long over with. And then COVID hit. And the one job that I decided was going to be the thing I'd do for the rest of my life. Suddenly I couldn't go into the gym and train people. And I had to really get a handle on, right, how do I want to live? What do I want to focus on? How do I stop myself from going into the dark place? Which is partly why I reached out to Paul Mort as well. 
Um, I'm sure Unitas probably half of the reason he did as well himself. And yeah, we just try and build from there, basically. Help as many people achieve the same. Uh, try and keep as many people away as we can from the dark place, which is obviously super relevant this week. And that's what I do. Just try and get wake up every day being a better, more capable, sexier fella. You know? <laughs> Amazing, mate. Um, I will just tap into the more like the easier conversation from that. You said you was you used to train for the sports that you was involved in yeah. as a youngster, and obviously as a mainly sports based podcast, I've got to ask what you were involved in. So let's have a little chat about that. So my background was in sprinting first. And then that led into Olympic weightlifting. Competed in both. Uh, sprinting I did up until the age of about 21. Um, nearly ran for Essex. I trained with some of the best in the country. I trained with the fastest in the country. One of our guys represented at Commonwealth Games, all sorts. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, but it's not something you can keep up for uh, when you're competing at such a high level and you're not really looking after yourself or when you don't really know what you're doing, obviously coaching investments now are a lot much better than they were. Yeah. Nineties, uh, you know, to early, uh, sorry, late nineties to early two thousands at a grassroots type of level. or amateur yeah. level. Uh, and I just found I was constantly, I was injured a lot, not able to rehab myself a lot. Um, the guys who did end up competing for, uh, for the country at the Commonwealth. Wow. You'd see them struggle to get funding and things like that. Lottery funding was terrible back then. So it was a bit of a shame uh, to leave that sport. And every now and then, I get, whenever I see a track, I get the itch to go. So I just have a sprint. And I, I know my calves and my Achilles will not thank me for doing that. But I've still, I've still definitely got some of that speed in there. Um, and yeah, just through the weight training I was doing, uh, the coach always taught us to focus on the clean and jerk, squats, things like that. And I always had a passion for that particular lift. Laid down the line, just around about the same time I qualify as a PT. Um, I found some weightlifting clubs in London and specifically for a good eight years there. I trained wow. in the snatch and the clean and jerk, set up my own weightlifting club down in Essex, down in Colchester, ran seminars across several different gyms, including CrossFit boxes as well. And yeah, man, that again, that was another tough sport to leave. But without looking after yourself, there's only so far you can go with these things before the weight just goes, you're not lifting me up anymore. And your joints go, yeah, this ain't, this ain't for me no more, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. That itch is still there to keep to keep diving in, you know. Same, some uh, guys are like when they're older and they've been playing football their whole life, and then they have a long break, and then they go right, I'm going to jump on a fiver side, and then you see him Monday morning at the office and they can't walk. <laughs> it's the same thing. That's that itch is always there that you want to scratch. Sometimes you just got to mm, maybe I won't scratch it, you know. Yeah, almost like put the devil and the angel together and let the angel win. Like, don't ruin my body this time. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, the big 30 for me this year. And um, obviously it's the fittest I've ever been. Uh, something that I reiterate on this podcast um, to just say like, it's never too late if you like, really. And I know I'm only 30, but even the I played Saturday 90 minutes and Tuesday 90 minutes, not this just uh, two weeks ago. And obviously, the, like I've always said, like it's fine for pros because they can go back to the tra training ground the next day. They've got a recovery pool. They've got ice rooms. They've got like yeah. full-time masseuses that can rub out their little knots. And yeah. not me. The best I can do is a four-inch deep cold bath and maybe some <laughs> bath bathing salts. And that's it. Like a little, a few yeah. stretches. But yeah. God know. almighty, did I feel that for a few days afterwards. I bet. I bet.
Oh, and look at that. Well, obviously, we we met each other at the Etihad Stadium, and we both yes. had the tour. And you got to see behind the scenes, and you got to see the the recovery room, the giant pool they've got, things like that. You know, they've they've got these things on tap, which is why they're you know they're the best of the best because they can recover and train harder and keep going. The rest of us either have to invest a little bit more money into it, or be a little bit more careful with how often we train and how often we do stretch and our nutrition and our sleep and all that stuff because we haven't got someone doing it for us, you know? 100%. And you are, uh, I've seen that you mentioned just like real random ones to just go into there quickly. You mentioned about nutrition and your sleep and stuff. And I see you was chatting about the supplements that you take hmm. um, most recently. So like in regards to looking after your nutrition, looking after your sleep and just looking after your body in general, and you were to just say gen- on a generic basis to the listeners, what you take and why would you, would you mind going into that for us, Rob? Oh. Of course, mate. First off, obviously, the key is in the name. Supplements, they're supplementary. There is no magic pill that's going to do something for you that your training and nutrition can't do for you first. But this is my this is one of my favourite rabbit holes to go down. Um, not just in terms of general health for fellas, um, but in terms of, man, I go so deep down this. I, I look into nootropics, things that affect your brain, your cognition, things that are going to increase your fertility, all sorts of stuff. But I don't push that on everyone else to do is for me to try out report my findings and if you want to talk about it and try it yourself you can do but i have with my guys the five basics that i would always take and the first one is just just a decent full spectrum multivitamin because then you're covering your bases if you are following a fat loss protocol you're eating less food take to the side just for a second the argument that food is lower quality nowadays anyway and has less nutrition in it just take that to the side for a second. If you're in a calorie deficit, you're eating less food, you are therefore going to get less of the vitamins and minerals that your body needs to be able to function with immune system, uh, mental health, hormone production, all those different things, and including the process of fat loss and muscle gain itself. So if you take a decent multivitamin, do not go for the cheapest one you can find. Ideally, I don't want to upset anyone, but don't go to Holland and Barrett either because they're a bit notorious for lower quality versions. Of certain things. That's interesting because guess who yeah. I buy my vits off or all yeah. of my supplements off. Well, yeah. What do you get? What do you get? Uh, I take vitamin D, a multivitamin, um, B12, and oh. magnesium. But I read your thing the other day actually about the quality yeah. of magnesium, and I think I'm gonna have to. Multivits are probably all right if you look at the the label and it's all hundred percent minimum on the RDAs, one or two per minute. Um, then you're probably all right. Vitamin D, I don't believe there's any issue from Holland and Barrett with their vitamin D. So once you get a little bit weirder and a little bit deeper, and then magnesium, obviously, you've then got to look a little bit deeper at the label and see exactly what chain you're getting. Be the same with their zinc as well. Because obviously it's there. Well, it's any company's prerogative to make money. Holland and Barrett doesn't care if you're the healthiest, fittest individual you could be. Holland and Barrett shareholders want to be, you know, low. The richest. Exactly. So... <laughs> That's the, that's the problem you got. Um, so if, you're, if you know what you're looking for and you look at the labels, you can make better decisions. And of course, you can get decent stuff from Holland about. Of course, it's just a blanket statement that I would always look a little bit further afield at certain options. And that includes not necessarily just going with some of these bigger online brands. Again, I won't name too many names because I don't want to upset anyone. Um, but even some of these bigger online brands that everyone's wearing their clothing labels and everyone wants to get sponsored by at the moment, even their stuff is not fully 100% the best quality that it could be. I keep changing the brands that I go through. I'm using this brand at the moment called Piping Rock. It's an American brand. 
I'd only used one of their subs before. Um, and I just noticed I looked a little bit deeper, the recommended dosages in each of their pills. Uh, they filter their fish oils. I'm like, this sounds like they actually give a toss. So I'll, I'll try their stuff out, you know? Um, yeah, multivitamin multi D, like you already said, 100% of vitamin D. We're in the UK. We are deficient in vitamin D. People can say you can get it from the weather, but what flipping weather? I can't see an ounce of blue sky up there at the moment. And the people that argue that the most are the ones that will go from their house to the car, drive to the train station, get the train to the office, sit in the office for eight hours a day, and then do that reverse journey. Where are you getting that sun from, bruv? You ain't getting it. So we don't listen to those people. A vitamin D, a multivitamin, for fellas, a zinc, because that's going to help with your testosterone production, your fertility, your general male health is going to be huge. Magnesium, which you've already spoke about, and there are several different chains or chelates of the magnesium molecule, which uh, I spoke about in that post the other day. Yeah. If it's a magnesium oxide or a magnesium sulfate, it's dirt cheap, it's crap, don't bother taking it. If it's a magnesium citrate, that's going to really go straight to the digestive system because magnesium helps with digestion. Uh, make sure once you've taken magnesium citrate, you are near the toilet because that is going to show its effects pretty <laughs> Anything else such as magnesium glycinate or biglycinate, um, magnesium three and eight, what these things do is some of them cross the blood brain barrier and they help with mental health, with uh, sorry, neurotransmitter production. They'll help calm your nervous system down. They help with muscular contraction. Magnesium has about 300 different roles in your body and we don't get enough from food. Again, the worst sufferers of COVID were vitamin D and magnesium deficient. So I think at the very least, if every fella in the world starts taking magnesium and, and vitamin D, you automatically improve your immune health at the very, very least. And that's, that's worth it, in my opinion, really. Other than that, decent quality fish oil as well. Omega-3, not cod liver oil. Cod liver oil is just for your joints, really. Decent omega-3 will help clear inflammation out of your brain, your joints, your fat cells, all these different things. But again, like supplements are a deep, deep rabbit hole. And most people don't need to go down those rabbit holes because again like your overall lifestyle is way way more important if you find you are you are terrible at sleep is a supplement going to help or is looking at your overall sleep hygiene routine probably going to help you more what powder can you possibly take that's going to help you sleep when you're sitting on your phone till midnight watching tiktok vids you know literally the johnny depp amber heard case which I'm struggling to stay away from, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> me and uh, me and my partner actually recently spoke about our um we both we were both noticing that we weren't getting to sleep as like quickly as we normally were. And like not even being we weren't even being over exuberant with our like shit habits. We were still going to bed at half ten. What we was doing was we was watching Top Boy before <laughs> before we was going to bed. Normally yeah. we watch something a bit more chilled, like because of the gunshots, the swearing, yeah. the over like stimulating nature of that TV show. And this is like people may be listening to this, like you say, it's a bit of a rabbit hole for sure, sleep and all that sort of stuff. But just that little difference for a week, two weeks on our sleep was mental. We started watching um that new nature show on Netflix with Barack all Obama right. in it. Right, Mate, totally different. Like, go to bed, tired, bang, asleep within about 10 minutes. I'm not yeah. even, I yeah. mean, look, people could say it's a placebo effect of just changing something, but if, if it's a placebo works, it works. 
Exactly. If, if at the end of the day that placebo is equal, you get in eight hours good quality sleep. What was better then? Yeah, right, we'll go back to watching Top Boy, Top Boy, or playing Call of Duty and and not sleeping. That was the yeah. uh, that was the other thing I mentioned as well. Is I spoke about this. Obviously, like she knows what I she knows what I'm into. She knows I'm into my personal development. She knows I'm into this. She knows I'm into that. And I just mentioned to her that when I was playing Call of Duty, like a little bit, that yeah. thing. If I played that up until nine o'clock, I'd be asleep, mate, thinking about the fucking where I was stood on the maps. Like, who's going to shoot? Do you know what I mean? It's just weird. It really screws you. I I have nothing against gamers, nothing against them at all. I used to be one myself, but it was only when I really noticed how much that was affecting my sleep and my day the next day. But I, I kind of took a break from them and I've just never gone, never gone back to it. I kind of miss it. I love the idea of playing Call of Duty and Rocket League were my were my addiction. <laughs> but like you say, you're lying there at one in the morning, going, "How do I do that flip shot where the ball bounces?" And you know, or, or you're walking around your house like like corner in the room before before you go take a piss. It it does affect your brain, it really does. And on and the affects, um, everything else, you know. Yeah, and on on the other front of that though, like we're not wired really to be thinking about technology like play it. do you know what i mean like where i'm going with this is basically we're apes right mark manson says it like obviously there's been many many psychologists that have said that we are basically a, a ape a monkey that's developed into this pretty fascinating thing but our core genes are sleep eat reproduce scratch our heads a bit scratch our balls for men and then do it all again right but now, yeah. like the amount of shit that we've got to take our brains away from actually what we're supposed to be going for, like animals to hunt, um, which is obviously Paul's favorite saying, um, creating a living, looking after our families, if, if you have one, looking after number one. Like when you look at the distractions just in a day to day life, TV, mobile, uh, getting to work, which is basically something that's, again, a creation. Like when you look at everything, it's creation, politics, like you even mm. mentioned one yourself there, like the media with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp or the Ukraine. Like there's so many things that take our brains away from its core functions. No wonder we're all a bit fucking, <laughs> we've all got our own issues. No, no wonder we're fucked up. No wonder you've got, my God, like say the, the media circle cycle, sorry, is not, is not there to inform you. Is to get you to feel a certain way. And this is not even conspiracy nonsense. It's to get you to feel a certain way because shareholders know that when you feel a certain way, you'll make certain purchases. And therefore, it's not to give you the best news anymore. You can't, that's why most newspapers are now opinion pieces because it's guaranteed to make you feel a certain way. When you feel a certain way, you're likely to buy this car, invest in this stock, eat this certain food. And this is all proven and studied for, for decades. Yeah. You've got the media that wants you to feel a certain way. You've got access to porn now, which is the one of the most destructive things fellas can do on this goddamn planet. In terms of relationships, you've got 20 different dating apps, which is nothing we ever had access to before. You went out on a night, you'd maybe talk to, I don't know, depending on how much of a horn dog you were, anywhere between five to 10 girls. Now, before you even get out of bed, you can scroll through hundreds, if not thousands. This is not right. This is not good for us. I'm not saying we abandon dating apps or anything like that. I know loads of people We've met their significant other through them. But once we immerse ourselves in this digital world and we move away from the natural without getting too esoteric and certainly not by trying to become a liver king or anything like that, 
we're, we're moving away from how our body, how our brain wants to actually function in, in society like it's programmed to do. It, just in these last 20, 30 years, you, you, you're having to rewire your programming. You're going against decades, if not centuries of DNA from your, from your, your parents, to your grandparents, to your great grandparents, which has been passed down to you. That DNA doesn't know how to cope with this new crazy world that we're living with. I dread to think what it's going to be like when the metaverse comes around, but I'm hoping that gets delayed until I've, you know, long shuttled off. Is that the uh, thing that everybody's pre-buying NFTs for and shit? Yeah. What crazy. do you, like, there's two things there that um, have highlighted me to want to talk to you about, and it's, you mentioned porn being... Um, and I'm tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to start with the subject of porn. And I'm going to write metaverse down as a separate hmm. topic, right, Rob? So hey, when those two things come together, my God, my God. But yeah, scary. One first. Yeah, yeah. So um, look, again, I I've spoke about Mark, Mark Manson a lot. Mark Manson and the subtle art of giving a fuck was one of the first um, books that really got me thinking that I was living like a life that I'd almost been... Um, the way I can describe it is, you know, uh, what's the film with Jim Carrey in it when he's basically being watched? Truman Show. Genius. Yeah. Genius film. Amazing so show. Relevant. But, so relevant. Yeah, yeah. So, so relevant. Everything in, that, everything in that life for him was made. Yeah, like how they wanted him to live it. And then you kind of, I imagine it like a bit of tissue paper with the sky and you break through that bit of tissue paper and you realise that, I'm not even going to over-exaggerate. Hundreds of the things that I'd been told up until I was 25, 26 were gobbledygook. And mm. I didn't really believe if I really mm. looked into myself. So yeah. at 25, 26, did I think that it was possible for me to start my own podcast? No. Uh, at 25, 26, did I think that I would be able to start seeing Delts show through on my shoulders? No. Like, other, like did I think that I'd be playing week in, week out, starting centre midfield for my football team? No. Did I think that I'd have a uh, coaching business? No. Like, all these things. And I think, oh, yeah. basically, especially for our age group, Rob, my age group, and maybe even you can come into that canvas, you're taught to live a certain way. Like, and it's mental. But one of those things that I'm... Go this, this is relevant to porn for me, is that when you grow up as a at school... 15, 14, 15, 16, all the videos getting sent round of like all these different things. Um, and then you like, you see it all over the TV. It's so easy, easily accessible. It's free. Um, you get your kicks for free, like literally, but what it does for your brain and um, just yourself in general, is it, it almost clicks into that like easy accessible pleasure, right? But where yeah. I'm going with this as well, also, hopefully this is making sense, is Mark Manson in his other book, uh, Models. I don't know if you've read that one. Amazing. amazing. Underrated and, and undervalued that book. I think it's more important than his other ones. I yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I got more out of Models than I did. Mm -hmm. Because, do you know, especially at the time I read it, I noticed traits in me that was a needy man, right? Which is obviously what it goes into. Needy man. Yeah. Don't be a needy man. Do your own yeah. thing. Um, but also the last chapter, I think it is, about masturbation and porn. I listened to that book, mate, and I was like, fuck, stopped it, mate. And I shit you not, like, mm. yeah, massive, massive improvements in myself. Like, so, yeah. but yeah, for you, where, like, 
the scientific levels, I'm sure you go into it a little bit deeper than me, but how does it improve a fella, as you call them, if they give it up or stop using it as much? At the very, very least, because there, there's some research saying that it's not as destructive biologically to your brain as a lot of people claim, and there's other research pushing back against that. How can I say which one is actually correct when I'm not the scientist doing the research? But at the very, very least, you get time. You get time and you get focus back. If your time is currently going on, I'm a little bit bored, so therefore I'm a little bit horny, so I'm going to start looking at porn. Would you just look look at one video for a minute and then be like, right, I'm satisfied, don't need to? No, of course not. You're going to go through at least 10 videos before you find the one, which is the one that you're like, right, I'm going to sort myself out for this. And that's, that's an underestimation of 10. Like You could be on there for an hour, if not hours, and I'm certain there are guys doing that. There are people that will do it at any given opportunity during the day. I found a geezer doing it on the train the other day. He wasn't jerking off on the train, but he was watching porn on the train. And I gave him this look because he had his earphones in. Standards, fellas, come on. There are people that we, the statistics of guys that have admitted to watching porn at work, whether they're at their desk or whether they've nipped off on a break, to the number of guys that will be watching porn while their wife or girlfriend is asleep next to them is shocking and depressing. We are literally using our free time to look at pixels, to be aroused by pixels, to watch. I don't want to get too graphic. When you've got a woman lying next to you, who if depending on the standard and quality of your relationship, you could have sex with at that very moment in time, you, you're choosing to instead go on your screen and look at pixels of another guy having sex with the girl of your dreams or depending on what porn star you're watching. No porn star should be the girl of your dreams because they're not, they're all four out of tens really once the makeup's off, you know? Um, but they never say no to what they, uh, what they need to do to get the views. So at the very least, you get time back. What could you do with the time that you're going back in your day instead of watching porn? Maybe you get a better connection in your relationship. Maybe you're more productive with work. Maybe you play with your kids more. Maybe you've got more energy for the gym, for sport. Maybe you've got more energy to meal prep your food or you get an extra couple of hours sleep instead of being on your phone. At the very least, you get time back. The second thing is what it will do for your sex life is ridiculous. Women can pick up guys, needy guys, like you say. It's the perfect phrase to describe it. Women can pick up guys that are obsessively watching porn and masturbating throughout the day. You, there is an aura to them. They look tired. They look haggard. They don't really know how to talk to women anymore because their perception of a relationship between a man and a woman and the communication that leads to sex is completely skewed. Because in porn, what is it as simple as? Well, half the videos just start off and are already banging. Half of the videos is a story where the plumber comes in and whatever. It's not like a real life interaction. Life doesn't happen that way. And sexual interactions don't happen that way either. You, the best sex you've ever had probably did not include you doing 20 different positions in the space of one hour, you know, uh, before finishing somewhere. It's, it completely skews young boys' perceptions of what sex is going to be like, which I'm sure relates to the vast number of claims of sexual assault and sexual um, harassment that are currently thrown, thrown around. Would we, I don't know, I might be hypothesizing too much here. Would we have a Me Too movement if porn never existed? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But then we can look at what's happening deeper on a biological level. Guys that watch porn obsessively report higher rates of erectile dysfunction, 
higher stress, lower connection, more loneliness, more isolation, just, and it can all be correlated to they're spending their time on their phone or on a computer watching someone else do the thing that they wish they were doing rather than going out and meeting someone and doing that themselves. But at the very least, if you get your time back, man, that's how you start building a life that you want to live. I could go on a bit. We could do a two-hour podcast on Paul, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> Mate, no, it, <laughs> we do you know what? Do you know what as well? I think, um, again, without, like, playing the, my my hat's blacker, my cat's blacker, whatever it is, card to 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 anybody really that's listening, is it's not something you really think about until something flags up, like, in your life, maybe, for example, or something flags up and you just read it online and you're like, holy fucking shit. I had a holy fucking shit with you this morning, mate, a moment from you again, funnily enough, with your statement about polyethylene. I was like, like, really? One Google, I was like, fuck, man needs cotton briefs. Cotton briefs or commando is the way forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So... Again, like phenomenal, really. But I think if we were to set a challenge to the lads, try a month without it. Yeah. See how you get on. And if you have any results from giving up porn for a month, let us know. Or any improvements in your life, let us know. We'll be delighted to hear that. But I think we should start a movement, mate. Definitely. Definitely. No porn. Um, The metaverse. The metaverse, Mm. in my understanding, all I think about is Avengers, mate. And then um, I, I, I liked the Avengers and then I, something in my head was like, this is a bit weird because I used to look at, um, I used to not be addicted, used to have some interest in the Illuminati shit. And then I was like, this is not doing me any good. So I just gave it a wide berth. And then I started watching the Avengers and all these old like things I used to like, uh, read about would pop up in the mm. Avengers, and it's mm. just a bit, bit scary. But metaverse, in your eyes, is what? It's the Matrix becoming real. And so, some people would disagree with me on this. I believe we already live in the Matrix. And I'm not saying we're already plugged into machines on the side of a mountain and being fed sugar water, and our thoughts already in a computer. I mean, our reality is being constructed for us. And you said that earlier. With you're expected to live a certain way at certain ages and then when you finally pop your head out like the Truman Show you realise oh hang on reality ain't like this at all I can I can live it my way so reality is being constructed around us by the people that are vested interested in doing so which is the people that want to keep us a little bit more docile not make too much money not do too much of the stuff we want to do because that takes the money and the power away from them you know so with the metaverse I see this becoming another distraction very very similar to porn do you need to be on it it's the same as asking, do you need to be on any social media platform, really? The argument could be, well, you're less connected then. We're going to end up less connected either way because we're now, again, all our connections are going to be digital. We're not getting the same... You get you get signals off of each other when you're in the flesh. There are hormones and neurotransmitters that are released when you touch someone, when you have an actual orgasm with someone. It's so much different than what happens on a screen through through pixelated connection. It's not real connection. So we're going to feel more connected because we're talking more and we're seeing more, potentially more with strangers that we've never met before. You go into whatever room that you're sharing interest in or whatever it is. 
but we're going to end up more isolated because your time is going to be spent on the computer and on the phone rather than actually out in the flesh. To me, that sounds super, super damaging. We, we've seen what happens to people that isolate themselves. You get lonely, your mental health decreases, you either act out in anger or you act out in a state of depression. Either way, it's not a good end result. That you, you look back through, through most, I know we don't have data on every single suicide, but you look at like school shooters, for an example, I don't want to get too dark. No. Those guys were not the popular kids at school. They weren't prom king and queen. They were the isolated, lonely, shunned from society guys that just go into their own little world. I'm not saying the metaverse is going to suddenly create a new breed of school shooters because no one's going to be at school anyway. They're going to be at home on a computer. But the less we connect from society, the less we physically connect from people, the less that power, that emotional connection would have that it normally would. And we, we just end up lacking and deficient. Yeah. 100% and I uh, I think I've seen this with with multiple people TikTok mate fuck me if that's on another level if that goes to another level like don't get me wrong I and I think it's different right like Paul's been basically told by um, what's mate his name uh, Gary the, Gary yeah Gary. yeah that yeah. he has to like if you want to upgrade it's the future and it's like it gets you thinking i've purposely not got tiktok because when i started paul's course like i shit you not mate my screen time was awful mm. Hor like horrendous like embarrassingly so and it's got that good now i i comfortably say that like it's between four it's between four and five hours a day which is still a lot but it was like eight and to be yeah. fair i'm like uh, without making excuses creation content like cool. yeah seeing, seeing what other people are doing listening to podcasts and that it kind of adds up but yeah. um if if you, you you've only got to see people on the train and or the bus and that go through it mate and what i find scary i've had this multiple times as well recently and this isn't um like this isn't conspiracy theory ish at all but if you have a conversation about something or even you just mention trainers to somebody in a chat or messenger or you literally have a chat with your partner or your your mate about oh, i really fancy i really like the look of those like new nike airs or whatever i bet you a, i bet you a lot of money within within 24 hours on your feed whether it be tiktok or on facebook or twitter or instagram some trainers nike airs come up and you're like, oh, that's a coincidence. But then you're like, whoa, is it really? <laughs> it's terrifying. It really is terrifying. And the arguments against it are so flimsy. But it's, it's the same as like if you're looking to buy a red car. Let's say you're looking to buy a red 4x4. Suddenly on the road, you're going to start seeing a lot more red 4x4s, yeah? Because you're more aware of it. It's the type of car you hadn't maybe necessarily noticed before, even though loads of people are driving them. But in terms of what's happening... On these social media, I mean, Zuckerberg pretty much denied, but then admitted in that court testimony thing that they do listen in on people. Just mm. this morning, I was looking for a book on Amazon, and I noticed in the search bar that there's now a little microphone signal, for, uh, symbol wow. for me to say what I'm looking for rather than type it. And it, uh, it worries me because is it that hard to type in the name of a book or a, or a film into Amazon or whatever you're looking for? Is it that hard? It's not really. Why do I need to say it instead of instead of typing it? 
and even TVs now. Uh, uh, notification popped up on my TV the other day on the Samsung that YouTube, I can now do voice command instead of typing through the remote. Yes. Sounds like a good thing. But I've just given Samsung TV access to a microphone without any sort of terms and conditions on how much they're going to listen. And I'm not saying someone is sitting there listening in going, oh my God, Robert Geary wants to watch Joe Rogan episodes on, on YouTube or anything like that. But if you look at Ed Snowden, people are listening and people are watching. And yeah. he exposed it all back then doesn't mean it's all changed and they're not doing it now, really. No. That's what worries me the most. Yeah, 100%. Rob, when we spoke at the Manchester event, like it was pretty brief, but I just wanted to introduce myself to you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, your content's class. You mentioned um, the Illuminati a little bit and you kind of said that you believe it, but not believe it. And you've, you've obviously seen some stuff. You uh, worked in the media and your dad worked for the Daily Mail, right? Mm, yeah. Tell us why you don't, actually, no, I've got a better question. Your favorite conspiracy theory and why you think it's true. Or well, no, why not why you think it's true, why why it's more why it's more believable than others. Oh, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. We could oh we'd go so deep on that. Um my favorite one. Um, and my views on this have changed throughout the years, and we are going back. We're going like over 20 years now. My favorite one would be that more people gained money, power, and status from the aftermath and potential foreknowledge of 9-11 than probably any other significant event in history. That's my favorite one. I used to be so deep down the 9-11 one that I had DVDs, not that I ever believed it, I had DVDs on what was holograms, what was laser weaponry, all this stuff, because you go down the rabbit hole, you get the crazy stuff down the bottom as well. Didn't believe any of that. Was semi-sold on it being an inside job, planned by American government, things like that. Now I just believe there was so much foreknowledge that they didn't bother acting up upon because they could see benefit to it happening, but maybe they didn't see it happening as horrifically as it did, you know? In terms of the aftermath, my God, how many people look at the insurance policies on the buildings, look at all these different transfers of wealth, power. We went into countries that we did not need to go into. Everything's changed since then. Surveillance has got a hell of a lot uh, more aggressive. It's, oh man, it's, it's a crazy, crazy flipping time. And all these things have been done in the name of national security when most people really are not a threat to national security. So why would you need to survey everyone Anyway, I, I, you know, it all got a little bit dark after that. In terms of the people that were gaining the power and the money back then, I believe that's now grown into, what would you call them? Corporations. Elites. Uh, forums of elite people that now it benefits them as a group rather than an individual. And it keeps them living the type of life that they want to live. And why would they want that to change they wouldn't because who the hell would and yeah that's to me that's that's the illuminati i don't believe that there's guys sitting around in circles in robes chanting and sacrificing people even though two percent of me does believe that i believe it's <laughs> guys in suits <laughs> guys in suits making decisions that benefit them the most less 
everyone else, benefiting those that have money and their con uh, continued process to get more and more money because the richer people do not come under the same restrictions as the rest of us do. And that wheel is going to keep on turning until we're the ones that break it. How do we break it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Apart from you keep building the type of life that you want to live, not what other people are trying to design for you. That's the way I see you breaking the cycle. And uh, my add to how we fix it is the there has to be a shift back towards some form of collectivism in yes. this country. I think, Huge. don't get me wrong, like I'm... Um, I don't want to get political on this podcast, but yeah. I've noticed in my, I've, I've been a trade union rep. I work, I've, I work for a trade union. Like never have I noticed such a change to a mentality of I'm all right, Jack, even though damn well, you know, that people aren't all right. Like it's actually quite scary. Yeah. Like people would, it does fall into the whole tissue paper analogy that I made because people would rather live a shit life then that's harsh, but I'm going to say it. Right, they live right. rather live yeah. a shit life than actually challenge the things that they've been told are just the way it is. Yeah. You'd rather have comfort and security over instability and a bit more fear without realizing that you're living in, in even more instability and fear by staying comfortable because other people are making the decisions for you. If you think you're get, you're getting up, you're going to going to work for a job that if you decided to leave, they'd replace you within like two weeks. You're you're working for your pension that the government dictates how much of that pension you actually have at the end of your life or not. You have to ask permission to go on holiday. You may get paid for being off sick. You may not. I'm not saying this is a shout for everyone to go self-employed because that comes with its own risks and craziness anyway. Um, and if you're happy in your job and you're good at what you do and you see progression and you achieve fulfillment, then keep doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's and how many people go self-employed and they they end up making mistakes and it wasn't for them and they would have been better off in under some sort of hierarchical structure. It's you, you never know what's best for you until you try these things, but society dictates that we all go into the same thing. You get your yeah. office job, work hard, maybe you promoted in a few years. You get your pension, you can put your deposit down on your mortgage, you're paying that off for the rest of your life. You find your missus, you have your kid or two kids. Even then, all this is changing. All this is changing. The, the, the image of what society was always dictating for us is now becoming harder and harder to achieve, especially in terms of getting the wife and the kids. Dating's a hell of a lot harder. Relationship, divorce rates are through the roof. Infertility is going up higher and higher, so people are having less kids. I was listening to Modern Wisdom the other day, which is one of my favourite podcasts. You love it. Yeah, Chris and Williamson. He, I love it. He's incredible. Really, really I, I actually invited him on, mate. And he took the... He, he obviously... He I knew I knew there was no chance, but um, he took the time to reply. Love right. it. So, and mate, like, keep trying. Yeah. Keep trying. It's a no for now, you know? It's not necessarily a no forever. And um, some... He, he, he goes... He talks about this a lot, and he's had some dating experts on recently, and some people that are really pointing out this like increase in infertility rates and things like that. And we're technically now at the point where the world is the most populated it's ever going to be. Yes. Jordan Peterson. That's it. It's only downhill from here. Like that's kind of terrifying, really. That means again, the structure of society is going to change and not necessarily in a good way. There's going to be less women for men to chase. There's going to be less chance of, 
um, of, of kids because of the infertility rates is a scary time, really, when you think about it. And it could easily be fixed if we, like you say, a bit more collectivism, a bit more focus on our health and our connections, on our mental health as well. But when you've got X amount of people dictating how things should or shouldn't be and where the money should go because it only feeds back into their pockets, why would they, why would they change? 100%. As long as their, their reality is the way they want it to be, why would they care about anyone else? With regards to relationships as well, without, again, going too much towards the whole conspiracy theory thing, if you look at the media and you look at the way that certain narratives are driven in, in regards to, like, I'm going to say it, like, not in a negative way because there are some amazing feminists, but in regards to the real right-wing side of feminism... Um, in regards to the way that apps are set up, so you keep going back to them. They've they've got memberships that you got to pay for. Remember, um, I've like when you look at I don't know like Instagram or whatever, or or even now maybe not Twitter so much, but Facebook. There's a real anti-relationship narrative with a lot of even even within our circle, mate. Like I say, our circle within like the life coach circle. Like yeah, don't get me wrong, you've got to focus on you, but I think. Um, again, something that I got from you, there's that page, like Save Our Sons, is it, on yeah, Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. like a real positive one in regards mm. to a drive towards relationships and stuff. And don't get me wrong, yes, I do do agree. The fundamental thing to having a good relationship with somebody else is a good relationship with yourself. Mm. But there's a massive narrative, in my opinion, driven towards getting rid of what you've got without too much thought or feeling. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. If you if you if you want to change the world, you start with yourself because then you can attract better people and you get a better relationship. Then you can create a better household, which can then lead to influence in a better community. And if you've got a better community, that's how you change the country or the county and then the world from there, you know. But if the if the if you and your significant other and your close-knit community are distracted and divided because there's too many different opinions on things going on and you can't have one solution that fixes that fits every single person and we're angry at each other and we're constantly conflicted then you never get a chance to build that community never get a chance to and that can be as small as just you and your missus that can be bigger in terms of your 10 closest friends or your actual local community as well it all adds up and if i know the world was a different time obviously but if you were to go further back where we had closer-knit communities, people that stayed together, kids that moved out but didn't go to the opposite end of the country or opposite end of the world, or things like that, I'm certain we would find much, much better mental health, much, much better connection, people overall healthier as a whole. It's, and, and that's what we're not getting now. That's what we're not getting at all. People are more, again, more isolated, more divided from each other. And that's, that's going to continue until we decide, you know what, I'm not, looking at life through that lens anymore i don't need to know what the latest celebrity has said about x thing i don't need to watch netflix's new show i don't need to sit scrolling on my phone for five hours a day i want to have a better connection with the person who's sitting right here next to me and that's it that's how you create a better life yourself isn't it yeah absolutely on the subject of mental health rob it is mental health week um i'm gonna go straight in mate the three biggest things you've done from 
when maybe things weren't going so good for you, which we haven't really spoken about and we probably may come onto in this conversation now, what are the three biggest things, or maybe even five if you do think about them, that you have done for number one, you, to make sure that your mental health is in a good, an okay to good state? First off, and, and it sounds almost too simple, was to look after my physical health. Luckily, before shit hit the fan, I already valued my physical health, already watched what I ate, already trained, already went to the gym, already got my steps in every single day. Okay, it slipped when things shit hit, when shit hit the fan, but because I already valued it, it was easier to add back into my life. If you constantly fill your body with shit and you treat your body like shit, you're going to end up feeling like shit anyway. And that's just a vicious circle that will continue to perpetuate until you break the chain by starting to eat better or getting outside more or going to the gym. And it doesn't mean your goal has to be to look like Arnie or anything like that. Just the physical act of training with resistance has multiple effects beyond bigger, stronger muscles anyway. So 100% some sort of physical activity in there. And it gets you up and moving, gets the blood pumping, you get dopamine release, all that good stuff. Um, number two is, again, it's quite a broad spectrum, but that journaling that we, we've done with Paul changed my life because I'd never woken up before and planned my day out, in, not just in terms of what I want to do, but in terms of how I want to feel. And at the end of the day, taking note of how I felt and what I did well that day and what I can do the next day to continue that feeling to build the life that I want to live. I'd only ever been living on impulse and waking up and looking at life through other people's lenses because I'm grabbing my phone, jumping on Instagram, Facebook memories, that sort of stuff. So until I started really taking stock of how I want to, how I want to live and how I want to structure my day, and you do that through the physical act of journaling because you can't just do it in your head, that's when things really, really started to change. And there's been slips. I'm, no, I'm not perfect. I'm only human. There's some days where I don't fill it in. There's some days where I, I get home late and I skip it. But it's always in the back of my mind that I know things are going to be better if I if I jump in that book. Do you get life. journaling guilt? 100%. Fuck me. It's a thing, isn't it? It's a thing. <laughs> I, such a my massive worst thing. thing with that is, I, this, this is such a first world problem. I can't stand carrying large, heavy bags, bags around when I'm traveling. So if I've, if I've got a particularly long day or I'm going further afield, I don't want to carry tons of stuff with me. That's where my journal is probably going to be left at home. And I might not touch it. I won't touch it that evening and that next morning. Potentially later that day, I won't. And then I've missed a day and a half. And you again, you get the journaling guilt. But you do notice like there is a difference there as well. Because now 100%. suddenly... I'm living back on impulse again. Yeah. Um, my, my, my focus is at the mercy of my emotions rather than me sitting down and planning out how I want to feel. So that's one of the commitments I want to start making myself is, does it really matter if I'm carrying a heavy bag around? doesn't really, does it? Well, it mate, means- we've got to carry a fucking heavy bag around on the 1st of July, so. <laughs> it's going to be rough. That's going to be rough. Have you, sorry, have you started training for it yet? Yes, mate, I have. So just so the listeners are aware of what we're talking about currently, before we go back into three, four and five of Rob's oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, top top tips for looking after mental health. We are doing what's called the uh, SAS Fan Dance, which is a 25 kilometer yomp with a 35 pound mm. bag of gear and food and water on our backs and in in answer to rob's question i've actually done quite well on the training front mate um 
I've got up to half the distance with 12 kg on my back. So I need to, I've got a 10 kg dumbbell, which I've literally chucked into a massive laptop bag, basically. Um, And I strap it at the top and at the bottom and it actually feels okay. The only thing I've noticed is because the ground's been so hard lately, I need walking boots. Like it's not good yeah, for my ankles good. and stuff. But yes, I have trained and I'm really enjoying it actually, mate. Like I've um I'm having a bit of one of them with the gym and powerlifting at the moment. So I'm it's really nice that I've got another exercise format that I'm enjoying to like if I'm like can't be asked with the gym today, I'll just stick the bag on and I'll go and do like go and do fifteen thousand steps with it, you know, or something like that. What about yourself? Have you trained yet? Uh, it's, uh, I've got nothing but excuses to make. I've been doing my cardio, I've been doing my step machine. I haven't got out on the on the on the road with the rucksack yet. And what worries me here is I'll be able to do the distance and the time, but in Essex there's no elevation. Like it's, it is flat. It is notoriously flat. Same in London as well, which are the two places I spend most of my time. So I'm going to have to go slightly further afield for a couple of weekends and just try something uphill with that rucksack on. Where are you based currently? Uh, I'm in Essex. Well, I'm, I'm both. I'm Essex for living um, out by Chelmsford and then I work in central. But central Summer, Somerset's a bit of a trek for you then, mate. A little bit of a trek, but you never know. You never know. Yeah, never know. But you have to do it, you know? Yeah, mate. Well, look, um, 1st of July, it'll come around quick. So, yeah. so we've got physical activity and journaling as your top two. Do you yeah. want to do five or do you want to do three, Rob? I think I could, I could, I could knock five out here. Go on then. Get physical on. Activity, we've got journaling. Um, quitting porn, 100% for fellas. I don't know if it's as destructive for females, but I'm sure it's not a healthy use of your time. 100% get that junk out of your life. You do not need it. Meditation has been a game changer. A game changer. How would you describe it to somebody that doesn't feel that it would add value to their lives? Mm. How would you describe it? It's, it's like you get your power back. It's, it's the, the, the phone and Netflix and all these things. You can get to the end of the episode and it says, do you want to continue watching? You want to watch this next episode? It's a cliffhanger. And your brain automatically goes, of course I do. I don't want to miss out. I want to be able to talk about this tomorrow morning. And you find you've been six episodes when you only wanted to sit down and watch one. Meditation gives you back the control to go, do you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to watch it tomorrow instead or another time. You get the... Do you, the, do you find that with conflicts as well? Like where potentially in your life you could have gone, oh, fuck off or whatever. You just yes. go. 100%. In it. I, I honestly can't remember the last time I had an outburst at a complete stranger since implementing meditation as regularly into my life as I can. Because again, I'm only human. Some days I don't do it, but then I get that guilt and remind myself of the benefits and start doing it again. I used to be such an angry guy. Road rage was horrific. And then I would start calling people out in the flesh right the hell in front of me. It's terrible. How I've never been beaten to a pulp, I don't know. I might have just jinxed it. But how I've never have done because I just sometimes just run my mouth or I tell people what I'm thinking. Um, and it's not necessarily the best thing to do in today's society. But since meditation has come in, I'm a hell of a lot calmer. Not just in terms of outbursting, but in terms of how I interact around myself as well. The negative self-talk quietens down sleep improves everything like it, the, the benefits compound over time as well the more you do it but it becomes it got hijacked you know by hippies 
like weird people that say you have to chant or you have to wear robes or you've got to buy a 300 pound cushion off of Amazon got hijacked and that makes people not want to do it because it seems a bit too weird and a bit of a waste of time. But if you just go for the raw basics, which is shutting yourself down from the outside world and from the internal noise and just focusing on your breathing, you start, it's a, it's a skill, it's practice to get direction of where, what direction your brain automatically wants to go. Whether that is pressing play again on the Netflix, whether that's shouting at someone, whether that's reaching for that extra donut hidden in the cupboard that you said you weren't going to have, whatever the hell it is, you start getting back control. That's the way I'd see it. How many? Yeah. Yeah, that's four. Go on. Yeah, you was going to say, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, I had the best experience with Arjuna Ashaya on the podcast. Um, which was amazing. And I've I've been doing meditation now, on and off originally for about two years, but I did get up to like 140 day streak or something stupid. Oh. Heartbreaking to lose it. But then that's getting caught up in thinking. So, but then we've got, we won't go into that. Um <laughs> The biggest thing I was, I basically made, I, I link it with a bath. I don't care, like a bit of a, I love a pamp, like I love a men, men's pamper, mate. My hairdresser calls me, um, I can't even think what he calls me, oh, metrosexual, right? Like a modern day man that likes to look after himself and yeah. meditates basically is like whatever. But anyway, yeah. that's how I link my meditations. I run a bath, whether it be warm cot, warm cot, hot, boiling hot or... <laughs> um, and yeah. that's where I do it. And I just wanted to double check, like, is that, like, I wanted to be like, is it normal to do it? And he was like, mate, you can meditate anywhere, mm. anywhere. Yeah. Just close your eyes. Mm. And I think the biggest thing, going back to all the way at the start of this podcast, when I was like, there's so many distractions. If you take yourself away from them for 10 or 15 minutes a day, it is mm. amazing what it can do for you, isn't it? Crazy. It really is. I get most of mine, I get on my train into London now where everyone coincidentally is sat looking down at their phone, Facebook, emails, all these different things, getting angry. And I'm, I'm in a world of bliss <laughs> with me binaural beats playing in the background or something else, just like completely zoned out. I must be levitating compared to the rest of them on that train carriage, you know? And that's a sick yeah. feeling though, like. Yeah, really is. Yeah. And number five. Number five, not isolating. I'm okay horrendously guilty of doing this so I thought you know what I can do I can fix this all by myself I don't need anyone I can take control I can, I can build the life I want to live I don't need anyone else to do it for me or anyone else to help and you don't necessarily need anyone else to help but you can't isolate human connection is one of the most powerful tools at our disposal and there's a reason why we get certain hormonal and neurotransmitter release when we experience human connection that's not by accident that's, that's, that's by design you know so you do not isolate. Whether that is just a case of ringing up and talking to someone or meeting someone in the flesh or going to some weekly event or activity such as a martial art or a sport. That's why sport, I think sport is huge for, huge for mental health. And I love when I see the mental health campaigns at football matches and rugby matches because it is so important. And if you look at how many ex-athletes that then suffer from, high-level athletes that then suffer from mental health issues, because their life was in this competitive environment with a group of like-minded fellas that are all pursuing the same thing, which is excellence and winning the trophies. And suddenly all that's gone. They haven't got that mission anymore. They haven't got the guys around them seven days a week. All that's gone. You're isolated. You're on your own. You're not getting the same dopamine and serotonin hits anymore. It takes its toll. 
That's what I love. I love to see this message coming out more and more and more because it's so important, especially for guys. It's uh, really rare, actually, but I've had um, some. I've kind of formed like an unofficial link with the football club that are literally four miles down the road from me, Yeovil Town. They're in the Vanarama National. Um, and I had two lads from one of them's now retired. He made over 300 appearances for Yeovil. Mm. And the most recent podcast I did with a lad called Josh Staunton. Um, and he's only 26. And that's another note in itself, me being older than people. I'm like, when I grew up, I don't, you never think you're going to be older than the footballers. I mean, and now I am. It's really weird. But anyway, um, <laughs> he basically, like they both say, Nathan Smith's a little bit more on the, um, uh, like he, he's into his meditation. He's a bit more spiritual anyway. So he tries not to identify himself as anything really in regards to like that mentality. So he never identified himself as a footballer. So when he came out of the game, it wasn't difficult. And yeah. Josh, funnily enough, said the same thing. Like in regard, I can't remember what we were talking about, but like personalities is that he doesn't identify himself as a footballer. He just identifies himself as a person. And I think that's something that needs to be, of course, when you're earning £150,000 a week, you don't need to really think about what's going to happen in the future because your life's going to be set up for you, whether it be with investments or like yeah. a house, housing portfolio, whatever. But when you're in the lower, lower levels of football and you are a footballer mm. seven days a week, but then actually it's not enough money really to do anything other than pay for a house and a car and your family. What yeah. the, what the fuck do you do when you leave? It's, it's scary really. Yeah. You could have the longest when, career ever, but when your identity is wrapped up in one thing and one thing only, where, whether that is your job, whether that's a sport, whether that's your, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your relationship, what do you do when that thing disappears? That's your, your identity. That's what I had full on identity crisis. Didn't know who I was, what I was doing, what I wanted to do anymore because my identity had been wrapped up into three very specific areas of my life that in a short space of time all got taken away from me. Like that, that's, that's, that's how the crisis hit pretty much. Yeah. And if I hadn't done the work, if I hadn't done the training, luckily I'd done some stuff before that. But if I'd, if I'd, if I'd gone into that completely new and unaware of what potential I had and how to actually fix the issues I was facing, man, I could have been one of those statistics, 100%. The thoughts were there. The action was nearly there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. If I hadn't had Paul Mort's voice in the back of my head, already thank god that cliff video thank god if i didn't listen to other certain things like jordan peterson if i hadn't had these tools at my disposal already man i'd, I'd dread to think we wouldn't be having this conversation we wouldn't simple as that that's scary it's, man and it's, it's scary to think how many other guys will go through that we lose i mean the statistics might change since this campaign was out a few years ago but if we lose 12 fellas per day that's 12 fellas that did not have the tools to cope with what they were experiencing and because we're not having the conversations, if we start having those conversations and creating more connection and getting people away from destructive behaviours and negative self-talk, we might be able to change the situation. Yeah. It's one of, uh, I know it's like, it's one of the things I try and challenge around the people, uh, with the people around me, whether it be my parents or my partner or my best friends. If they say something that's a bit negative towards themselves, I'll be like, is that really true? Yeah. Mm. Like, because... I used to be so guilty of it and I know that I know the downsides of it like when you listen to yourself and I think that's one of the best things that I've gained from meditation those times where I'm sat there on my own 
and you don't even realize it, but you're having a conversation with yourself. Mm. And so actually, I think that is the biggest thing I think for me is you realize you don't have to have a conversation with yourself. Yeah. You can divert your attention away from mm. having a chat with yourself just like that. If you really yeah. want to. Massively. Massive. There, there's a book. It, it's not particularly big. It's called Gorilla Mindset. It was this guy he was huge on Twitter. He did all sorts of stuff. He was like a political correspondent, all sorts. A little bit right wing, but not so much now. Um, and I always remember this one bit from it that was about self-talk. And he said, if you were to allow someone else to talk to you directly to your face at the same level, level of negativity that you talk to yourself, you'd punch them. You wouldn't accept it but yet you're happy to do that to yourself, happy to put yourself down, happy to talk about all the mistakes that you made in the past, all the negative things you got going on, your lack of potential. If someone was in your face saying that to you, you'd punch them, you'd headbutt them. Yeah. But you've got no issue sitting there yourself, just running through those cycles again and again, which Definitely. is not healthy. It's not healthy. Yeah, no, so true. Rob, I'm not going to keep you too much longer, but I've got two more questions that I've got lined up for you. Um, we've done your five biggest tips for looking after your mental health, which is amazing. I hope somebody uh, finds some value from that. What is the biggest thing you have learnt about yourself in your self-development journey? And I am going to be harsh and just say one, one biggest thing. It's gonna, I can hear people arguing it already. This is only something that really recently occurred to me. It's that we have infinite possibility. Like your, your fate is not already predetermined. You can break free of the future that other people want for you. As long as you recognize that you can do that. You can go any direct, you've got 20 year old kids making millions off of JPEGs. Like how do you, who are you to say that you can't do the things that you want to go and do. How many people's life started again at 40? How many people became millionaires in their 60s? There's always, there's infinite possibility if you're willing to look for it and if you're willing to put the work in to try and do, to try and go the route that you want to route. You're not stuck. You're never stuck. It's easy to say because obviously some people get themselves into massive financial stress and relationship stress and things like that. But that doesn't mean that's the end of it. There's, there's always a way. It's just not necessarily the path that you thought you were going to be taking. So that's it. That's it for me. There is, we do, or each of us have infinite possibility. We can't fly yet. 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 Maybe, maybe. Inspiring, man. Um, and then finally, <laughs> question to just wrap up the podcast with yourself, Rob, because I think there's going to, I'm going to have to get you back on, man. Like, I feel like this could go on. We could, we could do this weekly. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> What is next for Rob McGeary? So I'm not going to reveal too much because there's a lot of things I'm keeping close to my chest, but I'm 40 later this year. And with everything I lost, I realized that life is really, really, really short and I need to start doing things that excite me. So I'm going to go to a different country for a little bit, for at least a month with the wow. view that I'm going to extend the visa and not come back to the UK for a while which means I have to really double down on my online coaching. And I've been helping some guys out behind the scenes uh, with copywriting, with email marketing, with sales pages, things like that, just helping people script it because I've got some pretty good mentors that I used for my own stuff. And it turns out I was pretty decent at it as well. So I'm going to set that up as a second uh, type of avenue. 
just helping guys out with email marketing because when when you know when you're a PT, you notice yourself as well. When you're very good at one particular thing and then you realize, right, I've now got to market myself. That's an entirely different game. And you want to help people, you want to coach people. So I'm not becoming a business coach in the slightest. And I'm going to be doing a lot of rants about why I hate business coaches and people shouldn't waste their money on them. I want to set something up that actually works with PTs, companies to help them. So you don't, so we don't get paid unless they've made money from it. So it's going to work on that sort of basis because too many business coaches. commission type thing. Yeah, exactly. Because then you've got people that will say, right, give me three to five grand. Here's your video course. You get one call a week and it's like, and it's all on you. You've been left. And what if that, what if the stuff that's in that video isn't actually that applicable to you or your level of understanding is nowhere near that. Then they'll say, right, you need to jump on the call then. And sometimes you get the answer. Sometimes you don't. I've wasted a lot of money on some business coaches. I never saw a return from, and I hate to think that there are a large percentage of decent PTs and coaches out there. that can make massive impact aren't getting the chance to because they're too busy thinking about instagram algorithms and and stuff that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things if you know where your people are hanging out and you know how to talk to them and that's through copywriting and you know how to get their attention through the right type of email marketing then then you can make the difference then you'll have all the clients you ever need and you'll have decent high quality clients and then it's up to you how far you want to go beyond that you know that's the way i see it Amazing. And so right that from the other side of the world. Rob is on his way on a jet plane. Sweet, no. mate. Um, I think that just about wraps up this episode of the podcast, mate. What an amazing chat. We've oh, gone so through. Nah, mate, I really appreciate like it's been class to get you tied down for an hour and a bit and find out a little bit about you and everything that I thought this podcast would be. It has been, mate. Um, so I appreciate you for that. So thank you, mate. It's been an amazing episode. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Massively so. Mate, you give me the chance to talk about any of my favourite subjects. I'm, I'm like a pig in crap. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, if people want to come and find out a little bit more about you, where can they come and find you? <laughs> so the safest place to find me is probably just on Instagram. You type in Rob Course, so that's Rob with two Bs and then C-O-R-E. You'll find me on Instagram. To be fair, most of the other stuff I do from there, I, I share straight off of that. If you want to get really weird with me, find me on Twitter. But yeah, the safest place is probably Instagram to begin with. Sweet. Uh, it has been episode 54 of the Grassroots Guy podcast. If you want to come find me on social media, you can find me at the Grassroots Guy pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you do want to get in touch with the podcast, you can email me at grassrootsguypod at gmail.com if you would do the show the favor of going over to apple Podcasts and spotify and dropping a five-star review that would also be massively massively appreciated and you will see me here with a new episode most fridays take care